GM and GM everyone, this is Clément from Commit, and today I'm with Temok from Gateway FM. Uh, Temok, please, could you introduce yourself? Absolutely. Clement, thank you very much, first and foremost, for um, allowing me to come to Commit, and hopefully we're going to have a very exciting uh, discussion today. So my name is Temok Weber. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of a company called Gateway FM. Uh, we do the dirty job of building infrastructure in the crypto space. Um, yeah, that's a little bit about myself. I've been in tech for many years, um, roughly around 20 plus years. Came from traditional infrastructure, working in telecommunications for a number of years. After that, I moved to a browser company called Opera, based out of Norway. Um, spent there almost a decade. Uh, that's how I got beloved uh, into the Web3 crypto space and then eventually decided to become a solo operator and co-founded Gateway FM. Awesome, thank you very much. Um, so this is the first, the first and easiest question. Um, could you explain Gateway FM like I'm five? Yeah, so Gateway FM provides just accessibility to this new technology called blockchain. So similarly to the internet, you need, uh, you know, kids today just say, hey, my Wi-Fi is not working, you know, to access the internet. In order to access blockchain, you need accessibility and you need this connectivity. So that's what we build. We provide connectivity to different blockchains in order to, yeah, have uh, applications to do, you know, communication between uh, the application, the end user and the blockchain. Okay. And what makes your, um, so you, you provide connectivity. Um, yeah. So it's called RPC. And yeah. how do you define uh, RPC? RPC is the protocol that use, uh, that is used in order to communicate with the blockchain. Uh, the RPC, yeah. it's, uh, again, it is a protocol similar to, uh, you could consider like TCP IP on the internet. So it's this protocol that actually allows to communicate back with the blockchain to uh, post queries towards the blockchain if you want to execute certain what, what is called methods and then get the reply back on those methods. And those methods okay. could be different things. If you want to send a transaction, you want to get a hash, you want to get a block information. So in order to communicate with these different types of blockchains, you need to have this kind of RPC API endpoint. Okay. And what makes Gateway different from uh, Lama nodes, for example, mm -hmm. Hopper, Pocket Network, Infura, all, all these um, also infrastructures uh, and RPC providers? Yeah, it's a very good question. And, you know, as I indicated, I've been in the space for, you know, since 2016, 17, uh, working in Opera. And quickly we realized that just getting accessibility to the blockchain was difficult first and foremost but also one of the things that we saw very quickly was that it was very centralized you know most of the uh providers today are really using public cloud which again i'm not against but you know building this new internet web3 layer 
uh, on public cloud alone seems to be kind of a, a very risky uh, endeavor. Uh, and that's really what we try to do at Gateway. We consider ourselves to be the first truly decentralized blockchain infrastructure node provider. And we do that by actually building on, you could say, AWS uh, software stack that doesn't just rely on public cloud, but actually it's fully portable. And we take that to the next level where we actually work with independent data center providers. So we don't rely on public cloud. So it's a very, it's a very different way of doing it in terms of really staying within the ethos of Web3 to really decentralize at the core layer of the infrastructure, the actual data centers, which again, if you look at this space today, most of the providers you mentioned today are uh, using AWS services, um, mainly out of the US. Okay. Um, in my opinion, one of the biggest issue um, of EAPC is scalability. Um, I mean, especially during high traffic events. Um, so, for example, I don't know, like uh, there is like a massive airdrop. Like uh, when, when you see when, when we saw it during the Arbitrum airdrop, for example. Uh, how is Gateway FM uh, engineered to uh, withstand these types of uh, scenarios? Yeah, so very good question, actually. Uh, we have what we call, you know, autoscaler, and we do that by, it gets a bit technical, but we have different proxies. And you can go technical. Okay, okay. <laughs> so the uh, the RPC, the nodes are actually in the back, and we create this pool of nodes, right, in different locations. So we have different nodes, and those nodes connect to a, a proxy, and the proxy does the load balancing. So we see uh, requirements of additional traffic um, we could actually divert traffic to other regions in order to yeah, uh, ingest the, the request per second. And, and I could be pretty specific, um, again, not to shill here, but you know, we work with uh, you know, pretty large DeFi uh, protocols like OneInch. We work with them quite heavily, and they have a lot of traffic. Uh, and this is you know, pretty consistent traffic. We're talking about billions of calls per, per month, and this is very heavy traffic. And we had this situation where they opened the floodgates and we had to divert traffic from one kind of uh, yeah, uh, pool location to add additional nodes, what we call external nodes in order to scale the traffic. Uh, so this is definitely, yeah, as you said, I mean, the, the issue with blockchain is very unpredictable traffic. It's not something that, you know, you have this, um, okay, this is kind of the RPS that you have request per second. It's a very spiky type traffic. Uh, it depends on a region to region basis and you always have to be ready. So normally, of course, we look at having the possibility to ingest uh, traffic per region, but if we need to, we could always deploy um, additional nodes in, in other regions to observe the traffic. There could be a little bit of delay in terms of the response time, but at least you're not getting this um, you know, out of traffic uh, situation, which is the most critical. Okay. And uh, so speaking of that, so in terms of data consistency across uh, all your nodes, uh, what strategies or technologies are you employing to make sure um, that those RPC calls returns accurate information to the end user? Yeah, absolutely. Another very good question. I think there's two parts of that. One is the, the privacy of the data that you're providing. I mean, if you look at the space today, uh, as a developer, maybe you don't care too much if you connect and you get some free RPC from somewhere, but you don't know where that traffic is going and who's monitoring that traffic. You know, you're exposing all of that traffic um, that maybe you're developing. But if you're like a, a pretty large DeFi protocol or DEX or, um, 
somebody that cares about where the traffic is going, you have to be a bit careful and you should know your provider, right? You, you should know where that traffic is going. Um, so we do a number of things. First is when we work with, uh, with the partners, we secure that we're very close to where the requirement of the traffic is coming from. So normally that uh, lowers the latency of the traffic. So that's normally one requirement for larger DEXs. The other part is actually, it's more in relation um, of the method calls. So we block certain amount of method calls to avoid DDOs or you know malicious type uh, transactions. And only we will open that particular method call if the client requests. So we, we take the approach of be safe first and then you know allow flexibility because yeah, we, we've seen uh, malicious things happening if you just open all the method calls and yeah, there's a lot of hacking happening through, through that process. Sure. Um, and how do you, because um, th this is this is a field that, I mean, with lots of competition, um, how do you um, think of revolutionizing this, uh, the, the, RPC, the RPC solution game? So it's a very good question. I'm just going to be very direct here. I think what is happening in this space uh, for quite some time is there's a lot of investment coming in this space and everybody thinks that they could run an RPC pretty easily. We know for a yeah. fact that running notes is a very heavy um, on, uh, on Brighton type of work because, you know, it's not a very sexy protocol or it's not the next NFT drop or it's not the super yeah. DeFi protocol, you know, but it's so important within the space, you know, having robust infrastructure, reliable with proper SLAs, with proper support. It, it should be one of the key things that we want to do in the space, right? So. When we, when we started Gateway two and a half years ago, that was our first task. There were two, two main missions. One is, okay, let's build our own software stack to, again, properly decentralize this in order to provide an alternative to just AWS. And again, I'll go a little bit into what's happening towards regulation, which is very scary, right? Like we are all relying into one or two public uh, cloud providers hoping that you know there's not going to be any incidents around regulation but we have already seen with things like OFAC compliancy that the governments are able to block this permissionless type access so we want to stay away from that um, you know we're a region based company that gives us uh, regulatory wise um, a lot of leeway so that that was kind of one of the first missions that we set up the the other part that we try to do uh, was really built a lot of automation tools for us to actually not have this massive amount of work in order to, again, set up nodes, update the nodes. It's not very well known, but we, we spend a lot of time on client diversity. So, you know, our nodes in particular for Ethereum, you know, work with Nethermind, we work with Aragon, we work with Geth because there's bugs happening all the time and things go down almost on a daily basis. So we want to make sure that, you know, we have the reliancy of both um, diversity of the clients and also, you know, we, we get the opportunity to work pretty close with these core developers, both on Nethermind and Aragon, just to make sure that, you know, if there's a bug that we could report it. So we give back to the community quite a lot that we don't see a lot of other participants in the space, in particular in RPC doing. So So that, that's one thing that we do. In terms, as you said, just to go back a little bit on the competitiveness of this space, it is very competitive. But if I'm honest, I think that we've done ourselves a disservice in, in the crypto space, right? By fully subsidizing the accessibility to, to blockchain. I mean, these things cost money, 
right? I mean, they're being yeah. fully subsidized today by mainly VC money, if I'm honest. And uh, it's a bit of a shame because this is like the foundational pillar of where we're trying to build all these decentralized applications. And, you know, these things cost money. Uh, at the end of the day, they will only be subsidized for some period of time. So, you know, we walk away from a lot of business that doesn't pay for the services that we provide. So we say, hey, you know, we do things a bit differently. Uh, we provide best-in-class support, uh, but it will cost you some money. Um, at the same time, we provide a very generous, free public RPC, no questions asked. Like, we don't even ask you to provide um, an email sign-on. So you just go to our website, you copy the URL, and there you go. You have a pretty pretty juicy RPC endpoint with no questions asked. So we, we believe on privacy as well. Of course, we have some limitations on the IP, so we don't get uh, crazy attacks. But, you know, it's, uh, it's the, the proper way of doing permissionless RPC access. You, you said something, like, quite interesting. Um, in the end, uh, I mean, it, it's VC money. Um, aren't you afraid to end up like some kind of central, I mean, decentralized, centralized uh, RPC points? It's, a, it's actually, it's a very valid question. I think what is happening in the space right now is that we're a little bit in the bubble, right? So most of these projects are being subsidized by VC that is subsidizing all the VCs and there's a lot of ingestion in Web3. So we're feeding, the VC money is feeding all of the ecosystem itself. We need to break that. You know, we need to be able to come out of the, the Web3 bubble. Everybody talks about the next billion users, but as long as we're not able to entice Web2 and enterprise companies to really use this technology, I think we're going to stay in this bubble for quite some time, and we need to be able to break that. There's a number of issues behind that. Mainly, I think, it's around uh, the complexity of the technology, to be honest. It's still very complex for a Web2 company to say, hey, I want to do something within crypto, but okay, you have all these different APIs. You know, it's complicated to put them together. You need to understand, you know, quite a lot of moving parts, both in terms of the infrastructure, but also the protocols, how they work. And, you know, the, the talent is pretty limited out there to actually build this properly. So I think that's still a bit of a, a problem. As I said, I mean, there's still the, the, I see two main centralization points. One is this public cloud, which today you have mainly AWS. Now you have GCP coming very strong in the space. You know, since last year, they make an announcement that they were coming in the space. They've been very quiet. But they're also getting into space because there's interesting money. I mean, they're they're selling uh, data center capacity left and right. So that's one point of centralization. And then the other part, as I indicated, I think the VC money that is being pumped in the space, it's uh, a little bit scary because it really ends up being the same story as what you have in Web2. You know, you have very dominant players which are controlling a lot of the ecosystem and not allowing for third parties to actually come in and differentiate a little bit. So, and I'm just going to be very honest as well in terms of what I see in the Web3 where everybody cares about this work called decentralization, but they don't really, you know, if you if you scratch the surface and you go a couple of layers down, still there's a lot of centralization. And yeah. it's a very difficult word to, uh, to expand. Uh, I believe more in... Um, Infrastructure federation, similar to how the internet was built, you know, uh, we should kind of think in that direction, like, um, you know, allow third parties to come in to make this the entire system more robust. And we're just talking about the RPC. If you look at all the services that are used 
I mean, they're still so centralized. You know, it's uh, it, it will take years to to get there, but we got to start somewhere. Sure. Uh, no, no, you're definitely right on, on this part. Uh, um, I think, uh, I mean, it quite aligns with the with uh, with what I'm thinking of, of this space right now, where we're still in a huge bubble and. Um, the next billion users, they, they, it, it won't come like just like with snappings. Uh, they, they won't come just because it's cool or something like that. It, they will come because there is something to grab from it. From it. And right now, it's yeah, basically the, the uh, hedge funds, VC, and, and all of this big corporate money. And, and until we we haven't, I mean, found something really useful. Uh, Apart from that, uh, we are still, we'll still be all together, like the DJs, the, the developers, and all, all these guys, until uh, we figure out how to bring the, the real use cases for the next yeah. billion people. Um, you you mentioned, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, please, please. No, no, it's a very valid point that you're making because if you look at the use cases that we've seen for the last situation now, you know, they're being too, it's been defined. Be, it's been NFTs, right? There's a lot of periphery around lending protocols around DeFi, but if you look at it, it's two main use cases that we've been piggybacking for the last, <clears throat> I don't know, three, four years. And we need to be able to expand that, right? Because, I mean, the problem that we have right now in this space, there's too much block production. There's plenty of block space. The problem is where are these use cases coming in? And I think it's more of a problem of the user experience. It is very complex. You know, you have all this complexity on the technology and we need to be able to abstract that quickly because it's still very difficult for your average person. You probably have friends and when you tell them, oh, I'm in crypto, they think about the tokens, right? But it's like yeah. actually the underlying technology fundamentally, it's so interesting. It could unlock so many potential use cases, but we're stuck on this technology bubble just shining. Oh, here's the new tech part of it. And we just focus on the tech, but the usability and the use case behind that we have difficulties explaining uh, to the enterprise world or the web two world, you know, how can they use this technology to open up new use cases? It is, um, it is one of the biggest problems that I see in this space, to be honest. Definitely. Um, so you mentioned uh, one, I mean, you, you triggered the, the, the ultimate word. You said AWS uh, earlier. Um, I mean, most of the of the backend uh, in crypto relies on, on centralized cloud services and stuff like that. And also, uh, I mean, traditional RPCs uh, relies on centralized servers. How does uh, Gateway keeps its uh, RPC services aligned with the decentralized ethos? So as I indicated, we work with independent data center providers. And trust me, this is not an easy task. AWS is yep. very simple. You set up an account, you go there, you get your services, you have all the tools, ding and whistles, you know, you just pay the bill every month and you're good to go, right? No questions asked. Normally things work pretty well. So we decided to go towards this completely opposite direction to say, okay, let me go and do a contract with a private data center. And that part is quite painful because they don't understand about any services behind blockchain. They just think that we're just another web two server. You know, it's like, no, we're not. We're actually a blockchain. The requirements are very, very different towards the traditional web two services. Uh, in particular, when you do RPC, you need massive um, data, uh, data structure. So you need a lot of hard disks. You need very performing hard disks. 
a lot of IOPS, <clears throat> you need very scalable things, what we discussed before, right? Like if you get this massive peak of traffic, how do you, they manage that? Because normally, you know, when you work with AWS, there's unlimited resources. With private data centers, that is not the case. So we spent the last part of the last two years really educating a number of data center providers. And it's super exciting because they get so excited about this technology and they want to learn more. They want to they want to come closer to the technology in order to provide the proper services, but it does require time. And that that's, I think, one of the problems that I see in the space that we're just too lazy. It's like, yeah, who cares? You know, let me just deploy an AWS and it's going to be great. We need to educate all of the industry, right? It's not just educate the DGNs, you know, okay, you know, like we need to really spend some time on educating the industry of the value of this technology. And with the value also comes this complexity. So as I indicated, we, we spent considerable amount of time with independent data center providers. And now those data center providers are, you know, you could say a little bit more expert in terms of blockchain. So they themselves could go to other projects and say, hey, we could help you. We understand a little bit more about blockchain. We could provide services that are tailored more towards your requirements. Um, so that, that's a very unique thing that I think not many other providers have done. We currently have seven different providers that we work with. And all of those are independent from each other. So that brings two things. One, reliability in terms of different data centers. So if one goes down, it does not impact the other one. So you have some high availability benefits behind that. You also have regulatory independence. You know, we have data centers in, in Geneva. We have data centers in Germany, France, UK, Singapore. And these are completely, from a regulatory landscape, independent from each other. So it gives you, again, that additional um, reliability and resilience towards regulatory, predatory governments coming in and say, let's shut this thing down. If, um, God forbid, but uh, if Mr. Gensler were to get a bit spicy and excited, you know, could just give a call to Mr. Bessos and say, hey, this blockchain thing I'm not too excited about, can you do something about it? And I think we'll be in big trouble in this space. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. Um, this is something that came up uh, to me a couple of days ago when the, the, um, everyone was uh, like sharing um, BlackRock for for uh, winning their, their their cases against the SEC. EFT, and yeah. there's yeah, there's nothing to be happy about that because blockchain crypto and everything we are building it's completely the opposite of yeah. whether it is the sec whether it is uh, blackrock and stuff like that so you, you are still sharing for the plague or uh, i mean another uh, disease <laughs> it's so true and we, we forget very quickly right i mean why did uh, the, the need for this kind of permissionless systems was because we want to move away from the old technology of server to client, right? We said, okay, yeah. we're going to build this P2P network and it's going to be independent. The problem that I see that we're still building it on the structure of web two, and we need to change yeah. that. Like we, and it, it just takes time and money to be honest uh, and proper money. And it should be focused to say, okay, what are you doing in order to achieve the main goals of what we're trying to do in crypto to create really permissionless systems? Uh, it's not, as I said, it's not an easy task because if you look at the entire stack, we're only 10% there in terms of some decentralization. If you look at all the ancillary services that we all have to use, we still use all web too. It's a bit scary. <laughs> As I said, I mean, it's good until it's not good. And um, yeah. it's great that we're doing um, all of this work on busting up the word decentralized, but 
uh, a lot of projects are not really doing that. So again, as I said, we're trying to do that, but we not we to be honest, we don't feel the love of Web three saying, hey, what you guys are doing is really important. We align with some projects like um, again, not to shield, but we work very close with Gnosis for a number of years now. And they really have this vision of saying, hey, we want to be able to decentralize as much as possible, right? And, you know, they find partners like us to be very aligned on the mission. And that's why we get to work with them in a very close environment to say, hey, the direction that you guys have, uh, it's very aligned with our direction. And let's collaborate together and bring this more goodness to the space. Um, but for the most part, many other projects just don't care about, like, Hey, just provide me the fastest, biggest RPC at the cheapest price possible, and I'm happy. Yeah, exactly. So it, it will drive this. The 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 my my next questions. Um, so you, you mentioned Gnosis. Um, uh, actually, you're you're uh, providing uh, RPC to Ethereum, Near, uh, Phantom, Optimism, uh, Polygon, ZKVM, uh, Gnosis as well. How do you prioritize, sorry, um, which chains uh, to support next? Very good question. So we started with probably one of the most complex chains. It was near back two and a half years ago. And we started with archival. So, you know, not EVM base and archival, which is very painful. So that, that taught us a number of lessons that most of the services that we see in the market don't really need archival notes. And archival notes are super beefy, very heavy. They need to be upgraded. They're clunky and chunky. Um, but we, we try to look at alignment on both what is the chain doing itself? Is there a benefit for us to participate, to build this kind of decentralized public RPC together with them? And we do that kind of investigation. We check on the tech itself as well. Again, not to talk bad about some L1s, but some of them are built better than others. There's a lot of, because of open source, there's a lot of people or projects that decide, hey, I'm just going to take that piece of software. I'm just going to slap a couple colors and change a couple little tweaks. And there we go. We have our own chain. But we see a lot of replication uh, over the last few years in terms of some of these chains not being, not being pure enough. So we try to align with where both the demand is, where the technology is moving towards, and also with the alignment with the project. So normally the chains that we support, we get to know very well. So again, with the Phantom uh, chain, we're very close to the Phantom Foundation. You know, we're doing some really interesting things together with them. We understand their vision, so we support that chain in a kind of free public environment, just to make sure that you know they have a good opportunity to get a proper RPC service in a decentralized way. Same thing with Gnosis, and same thing with Polygon. The L2s that we have right now, those are more because there's demand from clients, but I would say there's a little bit less alignment. So there's a mixed bag. There's some that are kind of popular chains that we just support, you know, because of market demands, but there's some others that we really spend considerable amount of time. We haven't updated our website, but, you know, recently uh, we worked very close with the Stellar Foundation in order to build the new RPC, uh, public RPC, which again is very interesting because they also saw the opportunity to bring kind of smart contract technology within their uh, their chain. So we're building this uh, public RPC. It'll be ready, I think, in about three weeks. And again, there's a lot of alignment around this decentralization, this ethos of saying, hey, let's build things properly. So those are the kind of projects that we, we tend to coordinate very well. Okay. Uh, interesting. Um, so we are going, uh, we are getting closer to, to the end of this podcast. I got still mm -hmm. two questions. Um, sure. 
and I'm really um, like um, this is these are questions uh, that really matters to me because um, we're going to, to talk about gnosis. Uh, mm. I'm a solo staker, so it's mm. something that I'm really uh, into it, yeah. um, and I'm super. I mean, really eager with the their, their latest feature, the, the gnosis pay. Um, so Gnosis Pay is some kind of simplified uh, payment infrastructure on Gnosis, um, on, I mean, for the Gnosis card. How does uh, gateway decentralized RPC solutions come into, uh, into play uh, in, yeah. this, uh, in this game? So, so very interesting to know for Gnosis, again, they've been around forever. Gnosis Pay was really an idea that they've been thinking about for many years, right? Uh, and even like three years ago, there was... Um, XDAI with trying to make the payments, but one of the things that they saw is this UX problem is still very uh, intrinsic in the space. So what they did for the last two years was to say, okay, there's enough tooling around, but the packaging of all that tooling to make the final end use case of doing almost instantaneous transactions, both on-chain and on fiat is not there. And that's what they did for the last two years. So we work very close with them. Apart from the RPC, we also do a lot of validation for Gnosis. We run 50% of all the Chiado testnet network. We do our own staking on Gnosis. So we know that the staking, the solo staking that they have is fantastic, to be honest. Not for a mid-sized staker is difficult because you have to have only one Gno and the infrastructure cost behind that is a little bit painful, but they did that on purpose to, again, force decentralization. So everything that they do, they do it with the mind of decentralization. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we work with them on a number of different projects related to Gnosis Pay. Eventually, we we were the infrastructure provider for the actual Gnosis Pay itself, which is built originally on optimistic uh, rollup stack. Without going into details, um, that was the first launch, but we actually doing a migration from optimistic stack to CKVM Polygon stack as we speak right now. Um, our test bit will be ready, I think, uh, by the end of today, if everything looks okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. we, we are we, we are working very close with Polygon CKVM. We know the team very well and doing a number of things there. So we're very bullish on CK. We are not going to have time to discuss that, but I would love to discuss CK because I'm super bullish on it, to be honest. And you know, I would like to dig down. But I think really what they've done fantastically well has has been this kind of vision of saying, okay, let's just really focus on the end user. What is the expectation to do on-chain transactions with a debit or credit card? And they nailed that down to the T, like really uh, fantastic. Of course, there's some technology pieces that are still being polished, but in general, they've been able to get all of this third party tooling and projects to really coordinate together to say, how do we uh, you know, make this thing work end to end in an efficient way? And uh, yeah, it's been fantastic. We've been working on, uh, with Poly not Polygon, with uh, Gnosis on this for a good year. And uh, yeah, super excited about that project. It really resolves a lot of issues in the crypto space. I mean, even for ourselves, I'll give an example. You know, we get paid in uh, cryptocurrencies. We have to convert that cryptocurrency into fiat in order to top up a credit card in order to pay some bills. So you imagine, right? This is the pain point that we have. Imagine having a credit card that is directly on chain of fiat. You could just decide, hey, I'll just top it up with my DAI or my, you know, my USDC and then directly have my IBAN account there and just make that transaction instantaneous. It's... Uh, it's almost too good to be true, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> so you're you're going to you're going to Dabcon 
to to support. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's actually one of my favorite events because it's not overhyped. There's a lot of really nice people there, like OG people. Yeah. You get to have really nice discussions with you know a little bit of privacy without not everybody being around. Uh, yeah, as I say, it's one of my favorite events. Too bad this year I'm not going to be able to be there, but my co-founder Eager will be there. And um, yeah, just just stay tuned because we, we are going to make a very interesting announcement uh, at okay. that time itself. So if you're there, I'll definitely connect you with my co-founder, Igor. I, uh, I wish I could. Uh, honestly, I wish I could, but unfortunately, I, I won't be. I won't have the pleasure to to come this year. Okay. Sorry, sorry but, for yeah. that. But <laughs> yeah, just just pay attention. We'll be making a very interesting announcement uh, at Upcon this awesome. year. So. Okay, and so this is my last question. Um, yeah, you you are guys based in, in Northern Europe. Um, do you find uh, geographical factors uh, influencing your approach to decentralized infrastructure today? Yes, actually, as I indicated, we, we try to stay pretty neutral in terms of the location. So having, a, you know, it's a funny question because a lot of people don't think about this, but as crypto in general, you have a lot of Cayman Island entities. If you have a token, you know, normally you strike you try to stay within jurisdictions that are pretty friendly. When we decided to build this, we thought, well, let's just go to, to a jurisdiction that it's trusted, like Norway, you know, jurisdictionally wise trusted in terms of corporate function as a company, it's also very trusted, you know? So we decided to build this kind of crypto company in Norway from all places, small city called Stavanger, which is the oil capital of Norway. Um, in order, again, just to, to be a proper enterprise company still working deep in the crypto space to bring again the understanding of the value of this technology right this was a very important uh, step for us to say let's do corporate uh, setup in norway we fully audited by pwc we spent tremendous amount of time i spent a lot of time educating pwc about what blockchain is what is an rpc what is staking how does that differentiate from proof of work to proof of stake and really again as i said i mean we need to take that time to really educate educate auditors, educate enterprises, educate Web2 companies about the value of this technology. And we're doing that both on the corporate governance side of things, but also it brings this kind of goodness of saying, hey, these guys operate in a, in a very trusted jurisdiction, uh, which is also uh, non uh, heavily reliant on one, one particular region, right? So we're kind of neutral being based out of Norway. Of course, as we deploy different infrastructure on different uh, locations, those jurisdictions also get, um, I would say, checkmarked. So we, we try to be a bit conscious. To be honest, we don't have deployment in the US because of that one point, right? Because there's already plenty of deployments of RPC in the US, unless there's a client that says, I really need to have something dedicated in the US. We really have the partners there, but we try to avoid that um, jurisdiction for that purpose. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Tamok. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast. And I uh, hope to, to see you soon at uh, the next event. Absolutely, Clement. It's been a pleasure to be together with you today. And fantastic questions. Really enjoy this uh, podcast. And hopefully in the future, as we make that announcement, uh, let's go deep dive into zero knowledge. I'm really excited about that technology. So maybe we'll have an opportunity. Thanks again. Ah, oh, chills, literal chills.